John chapter 10, verse 10. Very familiar portion of Scripture, but you know it's the familiar ones sometimes that get by you if you're not careful. Because you think you already know what they say, and if you're not careful, you're not open and looking for light as much as you ought to. In John 10, 10, it says, Jesus is talking here, of course. Jesus said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, who's he talking about when he says the thief? Well, he's talking about the enemy. But you know, he's also talking about anyone influenced by the enemy. If you look at the whole context, he talked about those people that had come before him and that were not the shepherd of the sheep and, and came up some other way than through the door. Uh, the enemy, of course, is the thief. He is the liar. He is the destroyer. He's called the destroyer uh, more than once in the New Testament. But also, uh, human beings that yield to him take on his characteristics. If someone is a thief, uh, they didn't learn that from the Holy Spirit, did they? If someone is a destroyer, if someone is a, uh, uh, you know, a killer, a murderer, well, they, they did that as they yielded to wrong spirits, spirits of the enemy. It all comes back to him. But uh, the thief, he says. And so he describes, you know, the purpose of the enemy and also anybody who is uh, uh, yielding to the enemy. But now he talks about the purpose of the Lord and his purpose and the purpose he was sent for. He said, I am come. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Thank God. Jesus said, I am come that they, who's they? Us. We. Amen. That we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Glory to God. You know, if you hear some folk, philosophers, even those that are religious, talk about the purpose of Jesus and his coming, you'll hear a lot of things other than this. Some folks say, well, Jesus came to show us, to, to set a high moral standard. Jesus came to deliver to us a philosophy of love. Jesus came to show us a better way. Jesus came, you know, to bring peace. Jesus came, and, uh, you know, there are elements of truth in all of these. But he didn't just come to introduce a new philosophy or a new moral standard. He came to give us life because we were dead. Yes. Come on. Hey, it's not just a matter of changing your thinking or just a matter of elevating your standard. It's a matter of being alive versus being dead. Amen. You do realize some people, they, they have uh, brought the purpose of the Lord's coming down to such a lowly level. Well, he came to, sh to, to show us a good moral standard for living. Well, he did. But so much more than that. So much more than that. He came. These are his words. He said, I came that you might have life. Glory to God. And that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. As the Amplified says. Jesus said in the Amplified, it says, I came that they might have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Did you hear that? I came that they might have and enjoy life. You know Jesus wants you to enjoy life? You know, I did a word study on that one time, on, on the subject of enjoy. And I was just absolutely surprised at how many references are in the Scripture, Old and New Testament, on the word enjoy, particularly Old Testament. I had missed some things reading through the Old Testament about the Old Covenants. If you're not careful, people will get religious. And, and, and some people bust their hearts. I mean, they leave the impression that if you live a, a holy life and a separated life, that you could never have any fun. If you're having fun, you must be doing something wrong. <laughs> you know? They really do. 
And, uh, you know, that you're, if you're enjoying something, uh, you better stop it because it's probably a sin. You know, the story's told about this guy, you know, that was doing some missionary work. He was over in a, a place that was very, very primitive. And he came to discover that these people here had never had ice cream. They'd never had any refrigeration and they never had ice. They lived in the hot climate. They had never had ice cream and ice cream was one of his favorite foods. And he thought, man, this is, this is a crying shame. They have never, here's adult people have never tasted ice cream. So he, 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 he made some special arrangements and had some ice cream shipped there. Got some ice and some refrigeration so that he could bring some ice cream to them. And they all lined up and boy, he got them a big scoop of vanilla ice cream and, and boy, he, you know, he, he's wanting to see their faces, you know. And, uh, he, he, he gave a scoop to one of the ladies, one of his first converts and one of the, one of the most devout ladies around. He gave her a big scoop of ice cream on a cone, you know, and she took it and they, he'd showed them how, how to eat it, you know, and she took it up and she, she licked it a couple of times. She tasted it, then she threw it on the ground. Oh, <laughs> he looked at her in amazement. He said, sister, son, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and finally, through the interpreter, she said, anything that tastes like that has to be a sin, she said. <laughs> she, just, she figured, you know, if, if you enjoy it that much and, and it tasted that good, it had to be wrong, had to be a sin. So she threw it away, resisting that temptation. <laughs> well, you know, some people have that mentality. And the sad thing is some of them got it from church. They got it from preachers. They got it from theologians. They got it from people that knew Bible verses but didn't know God. But you know, the Bible talks about enjoying. Look at another scripture real quickly. Hold your place there in John. Go to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 17. 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but, in other words, but that they trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's New Testament, isn't it? Enjoy. Does God want you to enjoy? Does He even want you to enjoy things? Said things giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. Now certainly God doesn't want us to be covetous. He doesn't want us to be more mindful of things than we are of Him. And He wants us not to put things or money or materialism or whatever first. He wants us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But then He said He would add those things to us so we could enjoy them. Amen. Enjoy. I went through one time, like I told you, the, the scriptures studied on this subject and, and reading in the Old Testament, particularly you'll find in the book of Deuteronomy, where again and again and again it says, enjoy, 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 enjoy. You know, the Lord would tell them to get together for their feasts and for their sacrifices. And what he would tell, you know, what a lot of people miss is that those sacrifices that they brought, they would offer a portion of it to the Lord and they'd eat the rest of it. And what it was, most of them were big parties. Most of the gatherings that God ordained for them to have, most of them were big parties. I don't mean that they were supposed to be drunken brawls. No, I don't mean that. I just mean they're supposed to get together and eat and fellowship and have fun. And he would command them again and again. He said, bring your sacrifices to this place. Offer up your thank, thank offerings and the first fruits to me. And he would always command them and enjoy yourself. Command. Enjoy yourself. Don't want, don't want a bunch of frowny faces and depression in my face. Enjoy, see to it that you enjoy yourself. I think if we'd listen to the Holy Ghost today, he would tell us, come to church and sing and hear my word and rejoice and pray and enjoy yourselves. Amen. Enjoy yourselves. Amen. Amen. It's amazing how folk get together and, and every service plays funeral music. And every prayer is a wail and a groan. And all, all they do is mourn. Well, there's a time if you've missed it and blown it to be sorry and repent and get right with God. But if you're doing that all the time, dear Lord, what's wrong with you? Why don't you straighten up and live right? 
and enjoy life. Amen. Amen. There's a time to be concerned about needs. But if you take needs upon yourself and carry them with you night and day, then you're trying to be too big for your britches, if you'll pardon my uh, southern expression. What do you mean? Well, you're trying to play Lord. You're not God. You're not the Lord. He didn't tell you to take the care of the world on your shoulders. He told you to be careful for nothing. He told you to cast your care over on Him. Yeah, but I have to worry about this and I have to worry about that. No, you need to obey the Bible. Amen. See, if people are not enjoying life, they're not obeying the Bible. Got quiet in here, didn't it? Amen. Somebody said, yeah, but brother, you know, it's a, it, it's a heavy load. Staying in the ministry and, and doing what the Lord tells you to and obeying God and and fulfilling all your responsibilities, it's, it's, you know, it's hard, it's tough. Wait a minute, listen to the master. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll make you load heavier. No. What? No. <laughs> the way some folk act, you think you did. What did he say? He said, I'll give you rest. He said, learn of me, I'm meek and lonely. He said, my yoke is easy, and my burden is Light. There's a work to do in the Lord. There's responsibilities in the Lord. But with His grace, by His direction, they're easy and light. You got a heavy load and a hard yoke. You didn't get it from the Lord. We need to examine these things, don't we? You know, it's understandable that sinners are not enjoying life. It'd be understandable. Those who are not Considering the Lord's lordship over their life, they're not submitting to him. They're not going his way. The Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. But for the Christian, Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Amen. I like to amplify it says he came that we might have and enjoy life. Amen. And we might have it to the fullness till it overflows. Praise God. Now, when he says life, this is the Greek word, as, as many of you know, zoe. And uh, this word zoe is used in a wide variety of applications. You, you wouldn't want to be too dogmatic about your definition of it. I mean, it talks about life in a plant, life in an animal, life in a human being. It's just life. Just life. Life as opposed to death. Something being alive as opposed to being dead. But the, it's, it's also used in the New Testament with the connotation of life as God has it. Now, you know, the reason I say all that is because there's some folk that are that, that are very technical in their studies, and they'd come back and say, well, this couldn't mean life of God because it's applied, like we said, to other things. Uh, but, uh, you know, like Brother Hagin has said before, you can know Greek and Hebrew and still not know what God's saying. Do you know that's true? And uh, the, I've seen some people that, they, you know, they wrote articles and some things about, you know, this particular thing I'm thinking about right now. And you could just tell, bless their hearts, uh, they don't even have revelation of redemption and the new birth. They don't understand See, because you don't just figure out the Word of God with your head or by intense study. You're supposed to study, but, but you don't just get things because you study it and figure it out. You get things because God reveals it to you. See, if it was all by your study, then you should you can take the glory for any light that you have. But if it's by revelation, you can't take credit for it. God just revealed it to you by His Spirit. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we've got our part to play, but, but uh, it's revelation. That gives you light. The Spirit of God just opens your eyes and shows you. You can see it. Amen. That's why I thank God, you know, the person who has a, a higher IQ is not necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily have an advantage in these things. And a person who didn't complete, you know, grammar school is not necessarily at a disadvantage. Because the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful teacher, He adapts truth to any level and reveals to us where we are, where we understand. Amen. Thank God he does. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. I'm glad. But uh, life. 
You know, the Bible talks a lot about eternal life. This word life in connection with eternal, eternal life. But so many times people only think about one aspect, and that is that it's life everlasting, life that will never end. And that certainly is a, a, a part of it, but it's more than that. It's more than that. When we're talking about the life of God or eternal life, and that's what Jesus came to give us, eternal life, uh, the Bible talks about, in talking about this life, it leaves the implication that it is not just quantity of life, but quality of life. If it's just quantity of life, then uh, the lost person's going to have eternal life too. Because the Bible talks about them living on and on and on in destruction. Is it just existing forever and ever and ever? Spirit beings are eternal beings. They exist forever. When he talks about eternal life, is he just talking about existing forever? You know, sometimes people talk about living a long time on the earth. But you know, uh, long life is not even desirable unless you have a certain quality of life. Isn't that right? And yet it is God's will for us to have a long life. He said, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. But not just that we're logging the years up, wishing they would be cut off soon. No, it's a quality of existence. Amen. Before Jesus, you exist. But after the new birth, you begin to live. Amen. Live. When we talk about life, the God kind of life, we're talking about life as God has it. What kind of existence does God have? He has an existence he enjoys. How many believe it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. Just take those three. If I am living in the God kind of life, I'm living in love. I'm living in joy. I'm living in peace. That's life worth living. Amen? And part of the abundant God kind of life is being healthy and being whole. That's life worth living. Amen. It's not the will of God that we exist from day to day, drugged out of our minds, pain disorienting us, dreading the next day. That's not the will of God. That's not the life that Jesus came to give us. You couldn't call that abundant life, could you? It's just existing. It's just making it. And thank God for that because if you just keep making it and you get a hold of truth and keep believing, God can help you till you can rise above that and get back to the quality of life that God ordained for you. Amen? If you feel like you're there just existing, well, we'll keep existing. Amen? Hang in there. Whatever it takes. Amen? And it's all right if there's some things that can help you. I'm talking about even medical assistance and these kind of things. If they can help you to exist and hang on until you can get to the quality of life that God's ordained for you, that's fine. There's no condemnation in that. Thank God for it. That's available. Amen. The objective of this uh, game, if you will, is to make it. Amen. <laughs> to, to live. Use what you've got at your disposal. Live. Don't give up. Fight. Amen. You can't just sit around waiting for something spectacular to happen. You've got to make up your mind, I'm going to live. Like the psalmist said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Make up your mind. If you're not having the quality of life that Jesus came to give you, it's not his fault. You understand? It's not because he's negligent. It's not because he's lax. Whether you understand it or not, there'll have to be some adjustments made. Sometimes it's just things we don't know, things we don't understand. We must be taught, must get our mind renewed, implement the things that the Lord's told us to do, or make some adjustments, changes. But if we'll, if we'll just hang on, we can learn, we can grow, we can change, and we can get to the level of life that God's ordained us to live in. Amen. It's not God's will. You know, I mean... It, it's one thing to live uh, with physical impairment. 
so that you, you're just existing. You're not really enjoying life. You're so sick. You have so much pain. have so much problems that you're not really enjoying life day to day. The same thing can be true financially. Can it? How I many of you can have so much financial pressure? Until you just don't enjoy it. I mean, the sun can be shining, the birds can be singing, but it's like you, like, like you got your own thunderstorm with an umbrella and a dark cloud over your head because all you can think about is all that money you owe and how far behind you are. Y'all are quiet again. That's not the will of God. I said, that's not the will of God. God didn't get you in that condition. God didn't bring that on you. Poverty's a curse. Sickness is a curse. It's not God's will for us to be cursed. He didn't come that we might be cursed and have it more abundantly. He came that we might have life. What kind of life? The God quality of life. Amen. Life as God has it. Amen. A life of peace. A life of joy, a life of love, a life of the fruit and the power and the manifestations of the Spirit. That's the life He came to give us. See, sinners are existing, but they don't have that. Amen. The people Jesus was talking to, they're breathing. They're alive. They could say, what do you mean, Cain, that we might have life? We're alive. We were alive before you got here. That's not what He's talking about. He's talking about that quality of life. The God kind of life. Amen. Christians are to live the abundant life, aren't they? Oh yeah, the, the devil's still alive and he's still around. and There are going to be trials and tests, but by God's grace we can overcome every test. We can overcome every trial. And we can live the victorious life. We can live the God kind of life. Amen. Through sin, there's death, but the Bible says through grace, there's righteousness and life. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Amen? If the devil's got anything much, God's got it much more. Isn't that right? If there's much death around, God's got life abundant. More than enough. Amen? Yeah, there's a lot of sin, but I want you to know there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of grace for those that will take advantage of it. You may experience a lot of weaknesses and a lot of ignorance and a lot of inability, but there's a lot of power and there's a lot of grace and there's a greater one living inside of you. Amen. Don't emphasize the negative. Emphasize the positive. God came to give us the abundant life. Are you getting it, friend? I just feel real impressed in my spirit. God's been talking to me all day about this and, and, and before today. The abundant life. I mean, he's, he's, he's wanting to get some things across to me. Amen. Amen. And across to you. Unless the Lord changes my direction, we'll be talking about this all week. We'll see. You know? I mean, you just got to keep going over things to get it inside you. It's not just a mental, it's not just a mental thing. You got to keep meditating upon it and hearing it and sometimes hearing the same thing from different, different vantage points so that it gets in you. And the truth begins to dawn on your heart and you begin to realize, hey, God wants me to have an abundant life. Yeah. Amen. 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 And it ceases to be an intellectual principle and it becomes a living revelation reality inside of you, a truth that sets you free. Can you say amen? amen. Look at your neighbor, preach to him. Say, God wants you living the abundant life. <laughs> Amen. Abundant life. Abundant life. Abundant life. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen to the definition. You know, uh, abundant means simply means more than enough. How many knew that? More than enough. What does enough mean? Enough means satisfactory, adequate, sufficient. Uh, it literally means to ward off. That sounds funny, doesn't it? What do you mean to ward off? Well, let's take it in a financial sense. If you got enough, you got enough to ward off the creditors. 
<laughs> you, you got enough to keep them from turning your lights off. Right? You, you got enough to keep them from cutting your phone service off. You got enough to keep them from coming and getting your car. You got enough to, to live from day to day. You got enough. You're not going to starve. You got enough to make it through. Is that the kind of life Jesus came to, to give us? <laughs> now you really, you really get to some things when you start talking about this. Somebody said, well, Brother Keith, all the Christians I know of, that's, that's the way they live. I know. I know. But is that what he came, the kind of life he came to give us? Did he say, I am come that you might have life and you might have it adequately. That you might have enough. That's not what he said. And yet that's so many's experience, isn't it? Whether you're talking about money, whether you're talking about health. Well, I got enough health. I'm alive. I'm breathing. You know, <laughs> I feel lousy. I'm weak. I'm sick. Whatever. But I, I'm alive. I'm breathing. Well, thank God for that. You're still here. You're still here. There's still hope for the abundant life. Isn't that right? But uh, is, is that our goal? Is, is that our, you know, we feel like we've arrived because we're making it. Now, this is back to, back to talking about financially, you know, don't misunderstand me. I mean, if you've been so far behind, you can't, you haven't been able to see daylight for a long time, and you get to where you've got enough, well, praise God, that's victory. Amen. <laughs> and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, know, I mean, you know, but before you can get to the land of prosperity, you got to get from the land of lack to the land of even. <laughs> you know, get, <laughs> where you're, where you're breaking even. You're not going in the hole. The, the ink changes color from red to black. How many know what I'm talking about? That's, that's progress. But that's, you know, if you've got enough. We've got enough. You know, we, we can pay our bills. We get by. Is that what he came to give us? No. Uh -uh. Now, whether you're experiencing it or not, is that what he came to give us? No. Mm-mm. Well, I, I'm making it physically. I, I'm okay, you know. I don't feel great. I, you know, I've got a lot of problems, but I, I'm making it. Is that what he came to give us? No. No. Thank God we're making it, but that's not what he said he came to give us. He said, I am come. Did you hear him? I am come that, I'll say it like this, that you might have life and He's very specific. He didn't, he could have just stopped and said, I've come that you might have life, but he adds this qualifying statement, doesn't he? I'm come that you might have life, and now he said, I want you to understand that you might have it more abundantly. What's enough? Enough is getting by. Adequate, sufficient, we're making it. What's abundant? More than enough. Amen? That's great, isn't it? More than enough. That's abundant. Abundant. You, you, I, I, I'm making it, and I got some left over. Amen. I'm doing better than making it. I'm making it plus. Amen. But you know that that doesn't even properly express what this verse says. You, you, you won't get the full import really just reading the King James. You, you could if you'd look at it, because he didn't just say abundantly. What did he say? More abundantly. And actually, in the Greek, this word abundant actually literally means super abundant. It literally means super abundant. And what it means by super abundant? Strong's Dictionary says it means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. So this, this does give us some, some insight into what he says. When he, what kind of life did he come to give us? The superabundant life. What does that mean? The superabundant in quantity, it's eternal. And the superior superabundant in quality. It's far superior. 
to the kind of life of the people are living that don't know Jesus. Amen? And, and this, this word here is the same word that over in Ephesians is translated exceeding abundantly above. All that you ask or think. That's what God's able to do for you. Amen, according to the power that works in you. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above. That's the same word that appears here. They just translate it a little bit differently. It's the same word. I mean, you wouldn't do any harm to the Scriptures if you translated it that way here. Because it's the same, exactly the same word. You could say, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it exceeding. Amen? Exceedingly. Super abundantly. Above all. Amen? It's, he's giving us the, the understanding that what he's talking about is far, far beyond adequate. Far, far beyond sufficient. I mean, it's making it, but it's, it, it's, it's way out beyond that. It's not, you, you're not just getting by with a small margin. You're getting by with a big margin. I mean, you, you got everything covered and then you got scads to spare. You know what I mean by that? I mean, super, not just abundant, abundance more than enough. This word literally means super abundant. What does that mean? More than, more than enough. That's what it means. I mean, it's more than enough, but it's more than that. It's exceeding abundantly more. Exceeding. This, this word is also translated, same word, is also translated beyond measure. That's something in it. Beyond measure. <laughs> And you will see different situations in the scripture where that this kind of abundance is demonstrated where that the Bible says they stop counting or they quit keeping up with it. It was so much. Like the Bible talks about that when, uh, when David saved money to build the temple, that there was so much silver and there was so much iron, they didn't even weigh it. The worth of the, the they weighed the gold and there were billions, billions and billions of worth of gold, if you, if you measured it by today's dollar standard. But they had so much iron and they had so much of these other, they didn't even measure. It's just too much to keep up with. It gave their accountants headaches just trying to figure it out. So they just, well, forget it. It's, it's, it's plenty. More than we'll need. Amen. The Bible talked about one of the offerings that they had for the construction of the temple and the tabernacle both, that they, they brought so much stuff that they finally just had to say, you know, quit bringing it. We got, we got enough and, and too much. You know, they had to tell the people, quit bringing offerings. We got too much stuff. When's the last church you heard of uh, telling, <laughs> telling their people, you know, look, look we, we, got, we got too much right now. Save your money later. We might take another offering, but just, uh, you know, hold off. <laughs> we ought to be having some things like that. We ought to be. Why aren't we? Well, because of lack of faith. That's why folk don't give. It's lack of faith. It's just the truth. People, people haven't heard the, some of the right things and their faith hasn't been stirred properly. They haven't seen the importance and significance of certain things. So they're not motivated properly. But uh, the superabundance you know, even under the Old Covenant, God had told them that he wanted them blessed. Go back with me to Leviticus and let's look at something. Just kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. You know, the covenant has changed, but God has not changed. Is that right? God has never changed. He's the same. He was the same God back in the Old Testament that he is now. Now, I know some folk don't like, they don't like for you to say that, but it's absolutely the truth. He hasn't changed at all. He was a good God then. He's a good God now. He was a righteous and perfect God then. He's righteous and perfect now. He was the judge of all the earth then. He's the judge of all the earth now. He has not changed at all. Now, our relationship with him has changed through the work and redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not just the servants of God uh, with a natural ordinances that we observe. We're actually the sons of God. 
Amen. With the Spirit of God living inside of us. And we don't just know about God. All of us can know Him personally. Amen. It's one of the greatest aspects of our new and better covenant is that, like the Scripture said, that, that in that day, He said, they'll not say every man to his brother, know the Lord. He said, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Oh, pray. If you ever wonder what makes our covenant better than theirs, that's one of the greatest things. God lives in us by His Spirit. We know Him personally. Amen. That's why, you know, it's different under the old covenant. Nobody had the Spirit even on them except the prophet and the priest and the king and a few individuals and deliverer raised up here and there. The common, what we call the layperson, they didn't have God in them or on them. So if they wanted to ask God something, they'd go to the prophet and get him to inquire of the Lord for them. But under the New, New Testament, that's unscriptural. You understand? If you're a Christian, you ought not be going to other people trying to get them to inquire of the Lord for you. you got the Holy Ghost living in you. Amen. See, those things have changed. Now, we still have the prophet and the prophet's ministry, but, but it's not for the purpose of going and getting direction. God might confirm something through that ministry, but, uh, for, you know, some, uh, we've seen people uh, cultivate the practice of going to individuals. You inquire of the Lord for me. You do this. That's wrong. That's, that's trying to go back under the Old Testament. The Bible said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. He communicates with us personally, inwardly, directly. The New Testament says there's just one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. Just one. Amen. We don't, we don't have to go to this one or that one to get our prayers answered. We don't have to get some departed saint to intercede for us. Did you hear me? Completely unscriptural. The Bible says how many mediators between God and man? One. one. Just one. Just one. The man. Christ Jesus, the scripture said. Amen. He's the only one. We, we have to go through. That's why we pray our prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's through him we have access. It's through him God responds to our prayers and our faith. It's all because of him and through him. Aren't you thankful for him? But even under the Old Testament, look with me in Leviticus 26, even under the Old Testament, you see God's nature. You know, there are many different names that God has revealed himself to us by. And uh, one of the names we should talk about in connection with this is the name El Shaddai. God has revealed himself to us throughout all ages as El Shaddai. Amen. And this word basically means, if you want to bring it to its basic meaning, it basically means one who is mighty to nourish, satisfy, and supply. One who is mighty to nourish, satisfy, and supply. And we get from that, you know, he's the God who's more than enough. Have you ever heard that? El Shaddai? The God who's more than enough. And if you put all the different scriptures that have to do with his name together, it's very easy to see where that came from. Because he is the, the source of our supply. He is our nourisher. He is our satisfier. And he's not just our satisfier. He's the one mighty, mighty to satisfy. That, that, that implies, again, the superabundance of his nature and of his way. But you know, he told them, even under the old covenant, he told them that if you serve me, verse 3 of Leviticus 26, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, I'll give you rain in due season, the land will yield her increase, the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full. And dwell in your land safely. How know what it means to reach? It means to last. Isn't that right? Do you understand what he's saying? Apparently not. They're going to thresh or bring in the crop. And it's going to, just to sum it up, it's going to last until they're able to sow and reap again. In other words, they're not going to run out between crops. Let's say it like that. How many know it's a curse to run out between pay periods? <laughs> huh? 
You ever had the problem of one check not reaching to the to the next check? Well, there's a number of reasons why that happens. None of which is God's fault. You understand? That's right. None of which is the Lord's fault. But it's God's will that we have plenty and abundance to reach from one, you know, one increase to the next increase. But notice he goes on to say this. He talked about the blessings that would come upon him. And verse 10, he said, You shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. What does that mean? Well, it means you'll, you'll have goods stored up and you'll, you'll have so much coming in until you'll have to take the old stuff out to make room to put your new. Amen. That's the God of abundance. The God of abundance. Now you may, you may think, what's this got to do with healing, Brother Keith? It's got everything to do with healing. I keep talking about material things, and that's not particularly my, my purpose or objective, but what, you, the reason that people think wrongly uh, about God as a supplier, or they think wrongly about God's view about them having anything, that same view affects their faith for healing many times. Because people have that mentality in all their life. That, well, you know, I'm, I'm breathing, I'm making it, I guess I ought to be thankful, you know, and just in it at that. Well, yeah, you ought to be thankful, but to say that this is God's prescribed will for me, no. Now, I'm not talking about what we're experiencing. I'm talking about what His will is. Do you understand that? And the mistake that so many people have made is that they've tried to water down the Word to fit their experience, or lack of it, as the case might be. But that's prideful and presumptuous and ignorant. We need to let God elevate our experience to match the Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Instead of just admitting, well, you know, my life's not there. I'm not there, Lord, help me to get there. Instead of doing that, so you have to humble yourself to do that, don't you? Instead of doing that, people start making doctrines and explaining things away. Well, this has passed away, and that's passed away, and we just don't know, and God's will, and you understand what I'm saying? And try to make out that, well, this is God's will for my life. Well, no, no. Just because you're experiencing something doesn't mean it's God's will. There are a whole lot of things going on in people's lives, Christians included, that is not the will of God. It is not pleasing to Him. It is not His way. It is not His will. It's not His fault. We're going to be talking about how different keys that we can, you know, observe so that we experience this superabundant life that God came to give us. But first of all, we got to we got to get established His nature. And for those of you that have already believed this, we want to just stir you up about it, get you believing it stronger. What kind of God do you serve? You see, what kind of God is He? He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. He's not the God of rake by and scrape by. He's the God of more than, more than enough. The God of superabundance. No matter what you're experiencing or what I'm experiencing, that's who He is, that's what He wants. Amen. And we, let's just believe God until we're experiencing what He's come to give us. Did you hear what he said? I am come that they might have life. Did you hear that? I'm come and they're going to automatically have it? No. I'm come so that they can have it. You could say it like that. I'm come that they might have it. I'm come so that they can have it. Do you see that? See, we have the potential, every one of us, of living the superabundant life, but that doesn't mean just because it's available, we're automatically going to enjoy it. It's available to every one of us. And it's very obvious that all of us are living in different degrees of it. But I'm convinced that so many people live in so little of it. And I believe the Lord's given us some things and some insights we'll share with you this week as to see why. Amen. And as always, it requires something of us. Amen. 
But you know, who's willing to do a little something or change some things in order to have the abundant life? Are you willing to make some adjustments if you need to? I, I should hope so. Thank God, thank God. Everybody say, He's El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. The Great One. The Great One. Mighty. Mighty. To supply. To satisfy. To, satisfy, to, nourish. to nourish. He's God. He's, God. He's, more, than He's more than enough. Hallelujah. See, it's His will for me, for you, to live a super abundant life. Under the old covenant. He told him, if you walk in my statutes, if you'll obey me, do what I tell you to do. In other words, he said, uh, I'll bless you so that you'll have so much coming in, you'll have to clean out the old to make room for it. You'll have to say, my, my what are we going to do with all this corn? All my cribs are full. I don't have any place to put this stuff. Well, I guess we'll just have to take the old corn out, put the new corn in. What are we going to do with the old corn? I don't know. I guess we give it away. Oh, you could be like the foolish rich man. Well, I'll pull my barns down and build bigger barns and say to my soul, soul, you have much good laid up for many years. Enjoy yourself. See, he never thought about anybody but himself. He wasn't a giver. And the word came to him, you fool. This night your life's going to be required of you. And then whose is that going to be? You know, I heard one individual said, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. What does that mean? You, you're not going to take anything with you. You come with nothing. You leave with nothing. And, uh, you know, when we're blessed and enriched and we have extra, we ought to start looking around. Isn't that right? We ought not just build bigger barns and try to plan for some, you know, future, you know, of not having to do anything. No, no, God's going to be God in the future. He's going to bless you in the future too. And the principle of giving is that you sow and you reap. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Amen? In fact, go with me over there to that scripture in Second uh, Corinthians, the ninth chapter. This is perhaps my favorite portion of scripture in the New Testament on the subject of finances. Is this ninth chapter here. Second Corinthians, chapter 9. They're all good. I guess sometimes if one's your favorite, it just means you have a little more light on that one maybe than you do some of the others. If you got more light on the others, you get more excited about them. But Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, one of the great keys in becoming very prosperous is that you've got to get a revelation of sowing and reaping. I mean, we've heard it, but, you know, you've got to get to the point where you believe it. You believe it enough to where you start taking money that you would spend on yourself or do something else with, and you sow it. Amen. If you, if you were really convinced that, you know, what you sowed was going to come back many fold, Folk would be liquidating things right and left. And then, I mean, they'd be getting up money to make... I mean, if some, somebody just came by on the natural and said, I know of an investment, surefire thing. I mean, you put your money in it and you'll get a 30-fold return. 30 times what you put into it. Let's just say 30 times. I mean, there'd be people raking, scraping, borrowing, selling. Isn't that right? Surefire, surefire. No way I can lose it. No way you can lose it. You're not, you're not going to find anything like that around in the world. Because there's a way you can lose it. I don't care what they say. But I mean, in the things of God, the kingdom of God, he says where, you, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And he says, so lay up your treasure where thieves can't break in and steal and moths can't corrupt it. I mean, it's safe. It's sure. But see, the thing is, so many people, they don't have a revelation of that. Uh, spiritual things are not very real to them. They think, uh-oh, bye-bye, 20. I could sure use you for something else, but I guess I ought to be a good Christian and give. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> well, see, you don't think like that when you're investing. See, when the offering plate comes by, are you throwing it away? Are you investing? 
You gotta get it, you gotta get a mentality of investing. Elsewise, you're not gonna be investing. Somebody said, well, I just don't believe you ought to give just for the purpose of getting back. Well, I agree. You ought to have a higher motive. But I also tell you this, if you don't expect to get a return, then you're not obeying the Bible. You're not doing what the Lord told you to do. You're, you're, you're being lazy. Spiritually. And foolish. Amen. Anyway. This is the truth. Now look, notice what he said. Verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, we ought never put pressure on people to give. Ever. Anytime I ever take up an offering, I, I even tell people, you know, uh, if you don't want to give, don't. If you, you know, for some reason you have, you're hesitating about giving, don't. Keep it. Cause you're gonna need it. That's right. If you give grudgingly, you won't be blessed. If you give cause you feel like somebody's coerced you into it, you won't be blessed. If you're in faith, you never put pressure on people. You understand that? I realize that some preachers have, and I regret that, but, uh, it doesn't change the truth. And all, all preachers are not money hungry, contrary to some popular beliefs. You understand? But, uh, if you, if you give, you must give how? You gotta give willingly, you see, of course, as you purpose in your heart, and you gotta give cheerfully. That's one of the greatest indicators that you're giving in faith. Amen? If, you, if you're not glad when you give, you're not giving in faith. And if you're not giving in faith, you won't be blessed. That answers a lot of people's questions why they hadn't been very blessed. See, some people give just out of duty. Some, some people are, give because they're scared not to give. They're scared, kind of like God is the mafia, you know? <laughs> kind of like for protection. You gotta pay him off so that he doesn't destroy your stuff. <laughs> I mean, that we laugh, but how I many know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, that, that, uh, you know how, how the mafia does in some of the rough parts of town. They come in and say, well, uh, would you like to get some insurance with us? They say, we already have insurance. No, you don't understand. <laughs> Our insurance. What do you mean? Well, if you pay us a certain cut, then, uh, nothing will happen to your place. What do you mean nothing? Well, if you don't pay us uh, things can happen. Fires. And people can get hurt. What do you mean? See, they mean they're going to do it, you see. <laughs> so you're paying them not to beat you is basically what, the, what it boils down to. And some people, you know, they, they, they tithe or they give uh, out of that kind of motive. Like, man, you know, you can't afford not to because... Uh, God will get you, uh, you know, or uh, you everything go down the tubes, you know, boy, you better you better do it. No, you got to get a higher revelation than that. You you got to give because you love God, and you got to give because you love people, and you love the work of God, and you got to give because gladly, not that you're losing, but but you know you're making an investment in the kingdom of God that's going to bring back manifold return. Amen. I mean, when you realize all that, you won't give grudgingly, you won't give sadly or depressed. You won't squeeze that bill when it <laughs> time to turn it loose in the plate. No, you, you you release it gladly, cheerfully, cheerfully, liberal, liberal. And so we're still talking about the same thing. Your God is a liberal God. He's a God of abundance. His nature has been given to you. Amen. That's that's your spirit. If you're a Christian, that's your spiritual nature. If you let it dominate you. If you let it affect you. Stingy Christians are carnal Christians. They're letting their flesh nature dominate them. If you let, the, if you let your spirit, your nature influence you and dominate you, you'll be liberal. You'll be like your father. Amen. Amen. He so loved the world, he gave. And he did he give liberally. Oh, he gives. And he gives us richly all things to enjoy, the scripture had said. And the more spiritual you are, the more like Him you are. The, the Word had said, Be ye imitators of God as, as dear children. Be followers of Him. Imitate Him. Act like Him. He's a giver. He's liberal. Amen. 
You know, we got to get rid of that old stingy, rake by, scrape by spirit, don't we? Don't we? I said, don't we? That's not of God. Now, I don't mean being foolish and trying to pretend you are where you're not, but I mean where you are, on the level you're at, be liberal. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, when, when you start feeling restricted on the inside, just go a little better. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Just just turn loose a little more. Be free. Be liberal in your spirit. And this doesn't just have to do with money and financial things. Because, see, so many times the reason people are that way with money, they're just that way in every area. Because they have a wrong conception of God. They think He's that way. They might, if you pray long enough and fast and plead long enough, you might squeeze a blessing out of him. How many of the, without people sinning, a lot of people believe, believe God's tight. Oh, they believe, boy, he's, I mean, he's tight with his blessings. You got everybody in the church to pray. Did a lot of fasting and a lot of seeking. You might, you might get him to give you a blessing. You know? He'll kind of hold on to the other end of it while you, while you pull it. <laughs> and you hear, you, you hear people with that kind of mentality. They say things like this. Well, now, you know, the Lord told us He'd supply our needs. He didn't say anything about our wants. He said He'd supply our needs. That person has a very small, shallow revelation of God. I don't care if it's you. <laughs> well, I, I always talk like that, brother. What change? Because the Bible did say He would give us our desires and wants. Amen? Amen? Now, of course, you know, I mean, you could talk about both sides of this. He's not talking about... People yielding to the lust of their flesh and acting crazy and, you know, making provision for the flesh that's contrary to the will of God and these kind of things. I mean, you could talk about that. But, did you remember we just got through reading? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Remember the psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Want. The Bible says, The Lord our, the Lord our God is a sun and shield. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Amen. Amen. The Bible said he, he satisfies the desire of every living soul. Amen. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. I mean, the words desire and the word want are repeatedly throughout the Scriptures. So for people to zero in on that and say, well, now he'll give you what you need. So that, that, that what they're doing is they're trying to have a scriptural basis for their concept of God as a scrimper and a justification for their nature. Because they are raked by, scraped by, penny pincher. <laughs> but you've got to open your soul. Amen. Be a giver. You know, Brother Lester Summerall told a story. I'll tell it. Some of you have heard me tell it before, but maybe heard him tell it several times or whatever. But I, it'll bear repetition here. He said he was in another country one time. And these two men came up to the altar in response to an invitation to be saved. Two native men there in that area. And uh, he and the, the pastor stayed there to pray with them. Everybody else had left after a period of time. And he said one of the men, uh, you know, received the Lord and was gloriously saved. And just, I mean, was just shouting and happy and obvious that something happened to him. He got saved. He was born again. Filled with the Lord. And the other individual, though, he came down and knelt and mumbled around a little bit, but, but never, you know, never received the Lord and, and, and never just, you know, he, 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 he left depressed and sad. And uh, he said in this particular church they had a, a basket at the back where they received offerings. It was just kind of attached to the wall and when you went out the door you could put something in, in it if you wanted to. And uh, this this man that was uh, uh, didn't seem to receive. When he came by, he stopped and looked at the at the offering, and then just walked on out. This other man, when he got back there, 
He looked at that, noticed that, and he took out his pocketbook and he just, you know, opened it and just dumped it just like that in the basket and just shouted and put it back in his pocket and went out the door shouting. And Brother Summerall said he thought that was quite humorous and he was laughing away, you know, at the way this guy acted and the way he, things he was doing. And the Lord spoke to him while he was laughing. And he said, uh, he said, the man that couldn't give me anything at the door couldn't give me anything in the altar. The man that gave me everything at the door gave me everything in the altar. Amen. Do you see that what we're talking about here is not just material things. And that's the reason why you get such a rise out of people sometimes when you start talking about money and material things. Because it puts a finger on not just a money problem that they have. It puts a finger on a nature problem. On a lot of uncrucified flesh. And a lot of areas that people have not given over to the Lord. Like one individual said, if some people would, would, would actually represent properly uh, their, their attitude when they're baptized, they ought to hold their pocketbook up out of the water <laughs> so, when they, so that it never goes under. <laughs> now, uh, don't be alarmed. I'm not going to take up an offering today. No, no offerings today. So you know I'm not, we're not just after your money. We're not even asking you to give. You understand? But how many realize that if you're tight in one area, very often that carries over into all other areas. And if people have trouble giving God some money, oftentimes it's just a, 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 an outward demonstration that they have trouble giving Him many areas of their life. They have trouble surrendering many aspects of their existence and life to Him. And this is just an outward evidence of it. If God has you, He has what you have. He has you and everything you would possess or have any control over. He has you. Amen. If He doesn't have what you have, then does He have you, see? There's, there's a question that comes back to, to consider. God's a big God. He's a liberal God. How many know that, that, that God is not limited in resources? He's not going to run out of blessings. He's not going to run out of supplies for us. You know, people talk about how that, well, you know, the, the world is running out of space and we're running out of resources and we're running out of this. That's the biggest lies. I said, that's one of the biggest lies. Oh, the world's going to be overpopulated and there's nowhere to, there's nowhere to live and there's, and the resources are dwindling away. That is a complete lie. Do you know I read statistics just not too long ago that you could take the whole population of the world and give them like a couple of feet to stand in and put them all in one certain city in Florida. You know, I'm just, just traveling on, the, on this, you know, particularly this hemisphere. There are places up in, uh, in the States, up in Canada, in South America, you can go for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and see nobody. You understand what I'm saying? Now, people have the habit of like, they want to all live in the same place, and so they live on top of each other, you know? But that's not because that there's no room. They pile, you know, story on top of story, you know? Stack apartments on top of one. I can't figure that out. I'm a country boy, I guess. But uh, folk do, I guess for convenience sake, I don't know. But there's no shortage of resources. And there's no shortage of riches. Oh, my, my. There's no shortage of resources. I'm telling you, God has more than enough. And how many know there's no shortage of healing power? Does God have plenty of healing power? Is he having to ration it out? And kind of say, well, I, I, I wish I could heal you. But I, I can't, I haven't got enough to go out. No! But people act like that, don't they? Act like, well, boy, you know, we're having to ration these healings. Because uh, there's just not much to go around. God is a big, big God. He's a great God. He has more than enough. I mean, if everybody on the planet 
needed healing and deliverance and answer of prayer and direction from God and they all prayed and believed at the same time, the lights in the sky would not flicker. <laughs> As they all made a tremendous demand on the power of God, the powers of heaven would not be shaken. God would not have to have several days to recover from the great surge and pull of power. He is what we call omnipotent. Amen. You can't wrap your head around that, but you can believe it. It means He has all power. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, we need to get God to broaden our vision and get a bigger concept of who our God is, how big He is. What He can do. What He can do for us. What He wants to do for us. The kind of life He wants us to live. He doesn't want us making do with a meager, pitiful existence. Physically or mentally or financially. He wants us. He came for the purpose that we might live life and have it more abundantly. Or as it literally means, super abundantly. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.